My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 55 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast, sponsored by EcoTrail Wicklow on September 24th, 2022. What a weekend it was in Clonmel last weekend that the World Masters Mountain Running Championships were Ireland won 12 gold medals, 13 silver and 5 bronze medals and we talked to the new Irish champion of the world in the over 35 category Kate Purcell about her win and the building blocks behind their fantastic successes on the roads and the mountains in 2022. Everybody get your running gear on, let's go! Hey everybody, hope you're all well and not only did we have all those Irish medals in Clonmel last weekend but we had some great racing just down the road in Kerry too so well done to all those that did the Kerryway Ultra. Keith Lane taking the win in the headline race of 200 kilometers in a very fast 21 hours and 18 minutes with over two hours to spare over the second place athlete Stephen Mangan and in the ladies race Ellen Bitting took the win with a five hour winning margin over Elaine Collins with 20 seven hours and seven minutes for uh, for Ellen. Do check out carrywayultra.com for a full set of results from their Carryway Ultra night race and their shorter distance of 58 kilometers too. The racing season continues, of course, guys, in two weeks' time with Eco Trail Wicklow. And thank you to Eco Trail for, for sponsoring the podcast this month. And an important message that entries for Eco Trail, they close this Sunday at 12 midnight, Sunday the 11th of September. So if you're out on your long run listening to the show, are undecided about racing or not, Go for it, guys, as it is a super racing experience around some of the most amazing trails and landscapes of Ireland with lots of fun things happening over the weekend in Bray for runners and families and friends too. Four distances, of course, in Eco Trail Wicklow, 19 kilometers, 30k, 46k, and the big one, the 80 kilometer race. And don't forget about the complimentary alcohol-free beer from our friends at Wicklow Wolf Brewing Company too for everybody that runs. A shout out to our Patreons, as I always doing every episode before we call in Rene from Running Coach Ireland. Thank you Patreons for continuing to support the show and really great to meet a lot of the listeners, a lot of the Patreons too in Clonmel last weekend. Thank you for coming over to say hello, it meant a lot, thank you for listening and I hope you continue to enjoy the show. Tim Mackey took the time during the week to sign up to become a Patreon, thank you Tim and I hope you and the rest of our listeners enjoy our next segment with as always our coaching guru Rene Bork. Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Rene, great to talk to you again. And it was so good to see you in person last weekend in Clonmel. And I'm sure you'll agree, Rene, what a wonderful, wonderful weekend of mountain running it was. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Owen. Like I said, it was, you know, so many old friends, first of all, that we got to catch up with. But also uh, we met some new faces. Uh, you probably, you know, people from as far away as Uganda and Japan. 
Um, so yeah, great company. It was a great event. Uh, the parade I thought was a, was a lot of fun. You know, it was something a little bit different to walk through the streets of Clonmel. And I've actually never been to Clonmel, and this was my first time there. Yeah, like uh, myself. Yeah. Yeah, so I was very positively surprised. I thought it was a lovely town. You know, it's it's nicely nestled there between the trees. They had a very vibrant kind of main street with nice pubs and cafes. And um, so that was very enjoyable. And of course, the race itself, you know, it was was buzzing. Um, and I'm sure we can go into that a little bit more, Owen. It, it was, really, wasn't it? It was just such a positive attitude around the place. And I think that can often come from the top down. I think if you see the organizers themselves in good humor, you know, willing to help everybody they can and and the organizers calm, which they were in good form, which they were. So a credit to Tom and Trisha Blackburn and all the LOC and all the Munster Imre guys and girls, which are all they're all in great form and they're all just getting stuck in, helping out. And, you know, I've worked at some of the biggest races running in the world over the last couple of years, your UTMBs and so on. And and you can get a mixed bag in terms of race organizers, some race organizers can be very stressed out, can be very serious, where others can be like, you know, Trisha and Tom were can be very relaxed and really enjoying the moment and enjoying the race. And when they are, well, then I think everybody tends to enjoy it as well. So just a brilliant, brilliant job by by all the Inver guys, especially the, the Munster Inver team that were down there getting stuck in. Robbie Williams and, and his team were out on the course and little things, Renny, that people don't see. Like there was one guy who was helping me out with the microphone and the speaker where he literally had to carry the maybe the 25 kilo speaker so that we had sound at the finish line up on his shoulders up that little sharp descent of about maybe 250 meters about a 15 percent gradient to the to the finish area from the last parking spot so little things that like that that people don't see that go on behind the scenes so it was a really great job by the organizers i thought yeah, for sure. Like, and I, as I, say, I didn't see as much behind the scenes as you did, but obviously, when you run the race, you do notice, you know, whether it seems like it's it's smooth, and you can sense the atmosphere as well. I, I know Tom and uh, Patricia a little bit. I myself and Eva, my wife, stayed with him many, many years ago when he took us out for a run down where he lives in the Glen of a Hello, uh, where there's a 50k on actually in a few weeks as well. Uh, so uh, you know, I they they did seem they're very fun, calm people. Um, and a very experienced as well, of course, but exactly as you say, you know, if, if any race directors are listening, you know, I, I know when I had did my first gig in a bigger race, it's very easy to kind of succumb to stress in that role. And it just absolutely spreads through your ranks. So once you've done it once, you really, <laughs> you, you learn to, I think, well, if you are in any way reflective, you learn to try and calm down because you have to be the center of that storm. Yeah. And it, it does really help. Like if you cannot panic when things are happening, <laughs> then everyone else doesn't panic either, you know, and then you just get this, you, you know, it, it's very important for runners that they come and every volunteer seems happy and content, you know, because that's the atmosphere that you soak up in a race. And that's usually, the, it could be the difference between a race that people just keep talking about, you know, and people keep coming back to. And one that just, there's something seems to be odd, you know. And of course, as well, sometimes things go badly wrong, you know, as you know, you had your, 
nightmare experience i think was it in belfast a few years ago was it last year Owen? it was it was last year Renny, when there was um, cars coming at us we were sent down the wrong way we were brought through this horrendous and um, park with a with a sharp decline which is the last thing that you need with a couple of kilometers to go and then of course there was the hours and hours of queuing on the saturday beforehand to get your race number so uh, absolutely i mean things can go wrong and they can go terribly wrong but from what i could see and i think what everybody could see randy it was a very very smooth weekend yeah it was and it was a great finish line um you know you and i had the chance to see that uh, uphill finish line down in spain in yeah. july and and obviously yeah. it is very different challenge because that was in the middle of a national park it was whatever it was 1500 meters nearly uh, you know it's it, it, it wasn't a much bigger mountain so it, it's not really a, a fair like for like comparison but this was an uphill finish line that in that sense was much more practical because it was big wide open space uh, they could get pretty much all the equipment up there you know so you had everything you would expect to see at a you know a sea level finish line uh, so in that way it was a very creative choice for a race that was you know officially i know it's an uphill only race but i don't know if you got a chance to run the course owen but it was it wasn't really, you know, it was kind of an, a weird hybrid. It finished uphill. <laughs> but, you know, if you look, Clonmel is at 30 meters and the peak of that mountain was only at 304 meters. And yeah. yet they packed 650 meters of vertical into the race course. And of course, they did that by having there was a two kilometer kind of extended descent after the first climb. And then there was lots of small dips like you were always kind of climbing it felt like but you just you know you got to one peak and then you had to have a small dip then there was another climb a small dip another climb um which was it was quite interesting both as as how can you try and create a more or less uphill experience when you have very low mountains like the Comoros, you know because they're low even by irish standards you know we have much higher mountains here mm. um but he i think they had to balance that it's one of the challenges with having a championship race is you know that you have to have good facilities that are that you can actually bring up into the mountains and that you have you know facilities like the sports club you know big enough to host all these people big enough to have showers and everything else mm -hmm. within a, you know a reasonable distance because all we needed to do once we got to the top was jog three kilometers back down you know mm -hmm. nice cool down perfect and we could get into the showers so i think they it was very creative they got a lot out of what is really just a small hill. Yeah. And from a results point of view as well, Renny, I'm sure you've gone through the results. I mean, the, the time that Thomas Roach, representing Great Britain, ran 42 minutes zero zero on that course was such an impressive fastest time of the day i mean just to put that into con into context thomas's run in the over 40 category it was a minute and seven seconds ahead of andrew douglas who's a world cup trophy winner from 2019 and on numerous occasions has been in the top 10 in the senior world championships so to put over a minute into andrew and then to put five minutes into the best Irish time after that, which was John Kinsella in 46.59, and then I think Sean Head in 47.07. So to put five minutes into the best of our guys, that was some run by, by Thomas. 
Yeah, I've studied it extensively just because the time was, was so mind-boggling for those of us who didn't run anywhere near it. You know, I, I was really trying to just understand where did he make up all that time. Uh, and fair play to him, by the way, because he's been on a bit of a tour of England, uh, or oh, sorry, of Ireland, it looks like. Uh, I saw he was in Cork, I think, the... Um, the day after the race and had a great time by all accounts going by his Strava, you know, I've been stalking him since the race on. Yeah. Okay. And, but it's, 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 you know, to, for, he, he ran at about, I think under four minute pace for that course, you know, Ned uphill, he has two downhill kilometers, you know, two fifty eight and two forty seven. Uh, he has his slowest kilometer was five seventeen, right? That's the very, very steepest early kilometer. Mm. It's just, you know, as an, a fairly ordinary person, you know, maybe for you, own you're a bit fast. It, it seems it's not quite as unreal, but it's an it's an astounding performance um, oh. that he could just keep it up at that level the whole way through. Um, and also, of course, there's a very interesting story. You know, for him, he he mentions this on his Strava. This was a bit of. I suppose rectification because he actually won the world masters last year. And um, he said in his Strava, they won't take this one away again. And the story behind that comment is that he got actually done for po a positive test for cannabis when he won in 2021. And he got, he got stripped of his, his title and he got the option of going into a three months drug awareness program and ban or a one month ban, but sorry, a one month ban and a drug awareness program or a three month ban from the sport. And he accepted the three month ban. Uh, so a bit of an interesting story. And maybe for anyone out there who, you know, who's interested in recreational <laughs> drugs. It didn't seem to harm his performance anyway. Well, well I was very interested in it myself and it was just such a good time. So I, I, I suspect like yourself, I did look him up and actually I have the Athletics Integrity Unit report on that result last year just here in front of me um, and just like you said there he took the, I think the three months and the conclusion from the athletics integrity unit was that upon careful review of his explanation the AIU was satisfied that he had established that the ingestion of cannabis as asserted occurred out of competition and was unrelated to sports performance. So his win last year, it was nothing to do with the cannabis. Um, so he is no doubt just an incredibly talented mountain and fell runner. Because even if you look, Rennie, at his times on, say, worldathletics.org, um, they're very good, but they're not out of this world. He's got a 15.06 PB. He's got a 109 half marathon and a 224 marathon, which are very, very good, if you like, elite club runner times but certainly not world-class. So he's obviously an extremely talented man on the mountains. And thankfully, he seems to have put that controversy from last year behind him. Yes, and I don't think it would have given him any performance benefit. I think the the only thing that uh, you know you can extract from cannabis um the oil and it's used for various different things, you know, from, from lowering the pain of cancer uh, sufferers to something as, as ordinary as putting it into various creams that you can rub on your legs to relax the muscle tension. Um, so, so I don't think there was any mean intention for sure. I wasn't even trying to imply it, but if, if to finish off on him, maybe Owen, it, for those who are curious, I had a look at his training as well this year and it, it doesn't come out of nowhere. You know, so far this year, he has run 3,600 kilometers with 82,000 meter vertical. 
you know, that's that's over twice. You know, I'm not I'm not training at a particularly high level at the moment, but it's more than twice than, for instance, my body was able to handle this year, in, both in the vertical and in the flat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the ladies then, Rene, again, it was a team GB athlete who got the fastest time. Victoria Wilkinson, I think it was, 53-17, who was, what, about 35-odd seconds ahead of Kate Purcell, our over-35 world champion that we'll have on the show now shortly, Rene. So it, it was a great performance by the Team GB team. And just when I was adding up the medals, I was hoping that Arden might have topped the medals, Rene, but they just missed out. Team GB had 16 gold medals and Ireland had 11 gold medals in total. Now, there was such a strong finish by Ireland to the medal ceremony on Sunday evening. It was a brilliant atmosphere in the hall because Ireland won the gold over 45 male and female. They won the gold over 35 team male and female. So I thought we might have just pulled it back on Great Britain, but no, they they had established a lot of the... Um, individual gold medals in the older age groups, the over 60s, over 65s, over 70s, which shows just the great tradition that's there in Great Britain for fell running. But it was one hell of a show from all the Irish athletes as well. It was, and you obviously dominated the colour landscape. I think there was nearly 60% of the fields generally. It was probably a little bit different in the smaller groups but for instance my, i think the m40 that i was in may have been the biggest i'm not quite sure it was only one of the bigger fields and there it was just over 60 percent of the field was uh was green singlets and i think they were then generally they were followed by the british and that kind of makes sense obviously because they're the neighboring country um, and i know a lot of them went over on the ferries you know which was great to yeah. see so they were very practical people you know they went over in their own cars and camper vans and they just all camped out um so yeah and uh, a lot stayed out as well Owen. i think there was well over 100 international athletes uh, partying past midnight in clonmel's <laughs> town center so <laughs> very good yeah and just a, a final maybe note on the on the race and the course itself i know paul stevenson from matt farnham when he actually wore a pair of vaporflies next percent on the course and i just had a quick chat with him just over whatsapp during the week and he said that yeah he thought the shoes helped they weren't a, um, a negative in any way so um so watch this space maybe over the next 12 months in terms of more versions of the carbon plated shoes coming onto the hills i, I suppose a quick question now Renny is that for a lot of the athletes that were there weekend last weekend and a lot of the athletes who ran the Kerryway Ultra between the Kerryway Ultra and the World Championships that was the big A race for a lot of people listening over the last couple of months and I suppose the question is, what tips, Rennie, would you have for the guys now? And I say a lot of people might be caught between two different areas of, okay, that was my A race. I know what I have to do. It's two to three weeks of pretty much no exercise, no running, a very, very little, and then I build again. But I'm sure there's a group of people who are probably as fit as they've ever been. And maybe not so much after the Kerry Ultra because you do need your time off after such a big buildup. But I say there's a lot of people that were in Clonmel last week who are absolutely flying fit. It was their A race. And they may be caught, oh, will I take a week or two off now and build up again? Or will I just keep going? And I know you, you might be in a similar position, Rene, yourself. What are your own thoughts on it? Yeah, I am. And it's... Um... 
it's a strange race, you know, because it's, as you say, that it's very clear cut generally after an ultra, because there's a few of the ultra guys we had in Kerry who have other ultras fairly soon. So obviously, even though they have to be ready uh, to run another ultra, um, let's say within four or five weeks, um, we still give them at least a full week, just recovery, you know, just do whatever you want, passive, just get, get your hormonal system, your nervous system, everything, just get it relaxed and focus on that, you know, so that's fa- That's much more clear cut. And for those, for some, it was a season ender. So we're kind of into the standard two weeks, full recovery, do whatever you want, focus on the passive recovery, not the active. And then two weeks of what I call the rebuild, which is where you slowly start dipping um, back into the running, your recovery becomes more active and proactive, and you are testing with the little runs and some leg speed work to see is the body actually functioning properly, or do we maybe need to go get a few things released before we are ready to go back to normal training? So that's kind of very straightforward, you know, because that's what people are used to after a marathon as well. You know, this kind of three to four week period where you're not doing much and where you are engaged in all the standard modalities you might go to a recovery center because we have a lot of them around now or you might just do the usual stuff you know mobility work icing hot tubs leg rubs um all this sort of stuff but for the for a race like this like clonmel it's it's trickier because as you say you you come into it and for a lot of people who came into it they are really really fit and they had a great day and they peaked and it's not a race, you know, as I told you, as I say, I, I always have some old niggles that like just to remind my, me that they're there the day after race, but it actually only lasted a day. Um, mm. And I was training with my club on the Tuesday. Now, I do feel a little bit tired, right? Because I do feel like it's been a long summer season. There's been a lot of races. There's been a lot of just stress on the body. Um, so a part of me does feel like it'd be nice to have a little bit of a break. But it's not like coming out of a marathon or ultra where the body is actually, you know, a little bit destroyed and there's not even a choice. Like the last thing I would want to do is go back training. So I enjoyed being back just doing an easy training session with the club. And I'm sure there was a lot of other people down in Clonmel who pretty much, you know, after one or two easy days, they're right back into it. And they're probably considering right now, you know, I have this fitness. And we know careers can be short. So generally what most people do is you you strike while the iron is hot. And you might just try and extend your form until you can see it starts to taper off, you know, or you're really starting to just get sick of racing because that happens. You know, you're just, you you don't really have the desire. You, you would just want to go back into the plot, you know, have a few good weeks or months where you're just doing lots of easier running. So I think it really depends there for the people listening what lies ahead of you and how you feel about that and how you feel physically. Yeah. And I think as well that the strength, Rennie, that people will have gotten, say, for preparing like a race for uh, in Clonmel, all that hill work that they would have done, that will stand to them so much, maybe in a transition period now over the next couple of weeks, if they want to get a 5K PB, a 10K PB, there might even be some people listening that might be using all of that hill strength over the last two months and going on to Dublin, for example, at the end of October. And I know myself over the years, coming off the back of maybe a three or four month period of training in the mountains, you are so strong and so aerobically fit. So it's, a, it's an ideal time to get those road PBs and just, you know, introduce some speed work until, as you said, 
you begin to feel flat and and the body is saying that yeah it's time to have a break because what you don't want to do is you're feeling exhausted and you're just forcing the training and you say oh when i get sick i'll take a break or when i get injured i'll take a break but that's never the the, the place that we want to be at where we, we're forced to take a break it is always nice to take a break off your own bat and it's your own decision rather than being forced into it yeah, it's similar to the step back weeks, you know, that we advocate that we prefer to do them proactively rather than wait until the athlete absolutely needs it. You you should, you know, if you feel great right now and you say, well, look, there is a few more IMRA races on the calendar or you want to change discipline, as you say, because you feel, well, let's, I think I could knock off a few good road times or maybe you have the cross country season coming up in October and you're thinking, well, actually, I don't want to go totally off the boil. I, I want to run well because the early ones actually often tends to be the ones that many, especially more modest runners or kind of more mid-pack, they find most important because you always start with the local ones, you know, with your county novice, your county intermediate. And that's often the most, that's where you run with your team and you run at a level that's appropriate for for a lot of the kind of, you know, the mid-packers. Whereas if you are more an athlete like yourself, Owen, who, you know, you might look a little bit further into the cross-country season to say, well, that's actually where it really matters for me. You know, it could be the nationals. Mm. So, you know, you obviously wouldn't be extending your, you'd have to do some kind of, a little bit of base work before that at some stage. Uh, and then the marathon, we have a good few clients. That's where they're shifting gears to now. So obviously that's a good transition. As you say, you have strength. So maybe now you, you might have been hammering hills all summer. It is actually, you can unload your body a bit by flattening your training. And of course, another important race, Renny, that we have in a couple of weeks' time as well, that a lot of people hopefully will be using their fitness over the last couple of months um, for as well, is Eco Trail in what just two weeks now on the 24th and i know just over the last couple of days you finalized the new 80k course which has a couple of new exciting features to it and you're going into a busy period yourself we were talking about organizing the and races at the start of the conversation and i know that yourself and paul mahan now will be busy organizing eco trail with about what two weeks to go now yeah, these next two weeks are the busiest of my year. At least they have been the last few years. Um, because, you know, the closer you get to race, the more things need to fall into place. Um, and the new route, yeah, is we're quite excited about it because it's, you know, we when the route was conceived by, by the, the, the broad strokes of the route was conceived by Wicklow Tourism. And then people like myself were kind of left to to put together the details, you know, of how to to, to knit it all together. Um, and then it's developed a little bit over the years, you know, as there has been reviews of certain trails, as trails have gotten eroded and other trails have been opened up or they've been repaired. And this year, then we we were very eager to show more of the Roundwood Reservoir. Uh, so I think a lot of people listening are probably familiar with them. But for those who are not, the Roundwood Reservoirs are kind of the only flat trails in all of County Wicklow, apart from a bit of the beach trails out at the seaside. Um, and there's there used to be 10 miles worth of them. Some of them are cl- currently closed due to a legal issue, a uh, long story. Um, but they're still most of them are still open. And we've been wanting to use more of it as part of the ADK Ultra. And this year we managed to get an agreement from a landowner to basically let us through their laneway. So runners will basically, for those who know it, they are not going to run south for as long. They are going to divert at Loch Tay, the Guinness Lake, towards the Wicklow Wolf Hop Farm. So the sponsors that we have, their hop farm. And then they're going to cross into the reservoir and they're going to get to enjoy 13 kilometers of mainly flat running around the lakes there. 
Um, so that's going to give a little bit of a new dynamic. So for the ultra runners listening, you know, you're, you're going to have all the usual ups and downs, but then right in the middle of the race, you have 13 kilometers where you're practically running on the flat around the lakes there. And then it all starts again, you know, as you make your way back up to Bray. So I really hope that will be well received. I, I hope it'll make for faster times, I think. And I hope also people will find it more enjoyable because that old return leg, once you got to the village of Roundwood and had to, you basically had to go on two kilometers of road. And then it was quite a lot of hard climbing to, to get back um, for, for the first bit there. So I, I think definitely it's a faster and easier route that they can get this year. Brilliant. Okay. And I saw as well that Eco Trail during the week, they did offer a complimentary race entry for any of the medal winners from last weekend in Clonmel, whether it was an individual gold, silver, bronze, or a team medal that anybody got. So if anybody's listening and they did win a medal last weekend in Clonmel, do drop Paul and Rene um, a note um, on their Facebook or Instagram Eco Trail Wicklow page. And uh, we'd love to see um, some of Ireland's world championship winners down in Bray in a couple of weeks time right Renny it's been good to talk to you as always and I said it was great to see you in action in that super red Danish singlet there last weekend good luck with the recovery and good luck now in the next two weeks in the build up to Eco Trail thank you all Our feature interview this week is with one of the four new Irish world champions from last weekend in Clonmel in the Masters Mountain Running World Championships. Our gold medalists were Martin McDonald in the over 65 category, Pauline Moran in the over 65 category, Becky Quinn in the over 45 race, and here with us now in the shape of our life, Kate Purcell, world champion representing Ireland over 35. And what Kate doesn't know when we recorded this interview on Friday evening was that the next morning, Saturday morning, she was going to become the Irish national half marathon champion in a time of one hours, 18 minutes on the dot. What a lady and an incredible athlete. And it was a real pleasure to talk to Kate Purcell. Kate, thanks a mil for coming onto the podcast. And Kate, the, the first question that I'm going to throw at you is, did you ever think when you first started running that you would be crowned a world champion? And not just a, an individual world champion, but a team world champion as well. Um, what a weekend it was last week in Clonmel. Over 35 world champion and gold medal for Ireland. Oh, un- unbelievable. No, I, I never in my wildest dreams would have... Uh thought that I would experience anything like like last weekend it was fantastic uh, I know and what has the I'm sure the phone has been hopping Kate all week lots of messages coming through lots, lots of podcasts requests yeah. I'm sure as well you're, you're going to become a celebrity in the running world <laughs> yeah but you know it, it, it is really nice and especially people who um who know I run but maybe don't kind of know how how to the extent of it kind of thinking like oh this is why you get up at crazy o'clock in the morning oh I kind of get it now and I think that's really nice like recognition from the people who don't really understand what you do it's it's just lovely like it's it's just kind of a warm and warm and fuzzy feeling it's really nice yeah, well, it was such a great moment and, you know, lots of Irish gold medalists last weekend, thankfully. And, and maybe before we talk about the race, Kate, just to go right back to, to the very start, um, 
how did you get started with running? I think I remember from talking to you before that you were a fairly late starter in the sport. Um, and were you with Rohini Shamrocks from the very start as well? Um, yeah, I was a late start. I was probably about 25, 26 by the time I got into it. Um, I moved home from London and um, was trying to kind of find my feet on, on Irish soil again. Um, so I joined Rohini Shamrock very much so as just kind of a get me into the community, get me with kind of a group of people and um, just really recreational running. Um, and then at the same time, I started to show up for a couple of the the Immer races um, because I had a chance meeting with Jerry Brady, who was high performance officer of, of Immer at the time. And I remember going to my first Imra in like a cotton T-shirt and a pair of old Asics thinking, I think it was actually Brayhead might have been the first one. But I remember just thinking, this is amazing. Just absolutely loved it. And then it kind of just all went from there. So I kept turning up to the races, kept kind of clawing my way up the ranks a little bit with the Imra. And then shortly after that, I started to go to the sessions with Rohini Shamrocks and I started to get more structure around my my training um Paul Brady my coach to this day took me under his wing and I just started to progress on the road and on the hills and cross country quite fast and I kind of knew that I had a bit of a natural aptitude for it so just have been hooked ever since and I suppose if you're in a club Kate you can often kind of you've got two options you can go down maybe the the track route in the summertime or the alternative route in the summertime that not an awful lot of people take, but thankfully you did, you can head towards the mountains. Yeah. And just looking at your results during the week there on the Imre website there, it's an incredible set of results. Um, and you started around maybe 2010, 2011, but by 2013, you won 12 out of 13 races. In 2016, it was five wins out of six. 2019, six wins out of seven. And they're just the ones that I could find. 29 wins out of 51 wins um, on the IMRA statistics sheet. So what, was there ever any temptation to go to the track case? Or did you just fall in love with the mountains um, from the very start? I just, by the way, I had no idea I had that record. So <laughs> thanks for doing the maths for me. Owen. Yeah, 29 wins I have, Caitlin. I'm sure there's a few more hidden in there somewhere as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I absolutely loved the hills. And it's always been about just making sure you're staying kind of true to yourself and and true to, to what floats your boat. And that's definitely one of the things that has kept me running especially through the hard times is just knowing that you're you're doing what you love and again like a lot of respect to to my coach Paul Brady do you know road running club and I'm sure you know this yourself Owen, but they're not overly keen on us mountain runners like it's just they see it as a a, a clear fire way to to go over your in your ankle for injury everything else but um, Paul never ever tried to steer me away from the mountains and all, like everything he did was based really towards kind of cross-country road racing and 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 helping me in terms of the mountains with that stamina piece as well so like kudos to him and to this day funnily like if you put me on a track I am just I feel like just <laughs> such a duck out of water I feel like an imposter I just I break out in a cold sweat. It is just not me. And I completely appreciate the athleticism involved in it. I think the discipline and just the, it's just incredible to watch, but not for me. 
Um, I am much, much more at home on the hills. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, Rohini Shamrocks, they would have got the benefit of all that strength work and great performances on the hills in the summertime in the cross country season once the winter time came around because I didn't look up your stats in the cross country, but I think, didn't you win the Dublin novice cross country? And I'm sure there's another couple of big performances there in cross country too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it it really did. They really did support each other. Um, And that again is is down to kind of Paul's foresight on that. Like, like I am the tougher the conditions, the muddier the fields. That's that's my my zone, you know, so cross country just just fits perfectly. Um, So, yeah, there was there was definitely that cross benefit. You know, there was the cross benefit of doing the speed work on the road and building up those miles on the road and getting that endurance piece and making sure your legs are kind of ticking over fast enough because you need that on the hills too. But then at the same time on the road and on the cross country, they do benefit from that core strength and agility and everything else you get from the hill training. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read a quote to you from Jerry Brady from the World Championships in Poland in 2013 from his race report. And as I'm doing that, I want you to try and think how many caps you have for Ireland. I'm not too sure, you know, off the top of your head, but you have a think as I'm reading this quote (laughs) to myself and the listeners. It's a fantastic one. Um, The Irish senior women's team won bronze medals with Sarah McCormick, Clonliff in the top three for most of the race before slipping back to sixth on the final stage climb. Kate Cronin and Rahini Shamrock came through the field for an incredible 18 place and this is in the World Championships, Senior World Championships for someone who is still eligible for the Dublin Novice Cross Country. Um, Sarah Mulligan DSD delivered with a brilliant 27th to ensure medals for the first ever time for an Irish women's team um, and as we said you went on to win the Dublin Novice Cross Country title that year as well but there's Jerry's report uh, and before I ask you about how many caps you have Okay, just to, to bring us back to that summer in 2013, because I remember being there beside you, and that was a really, really special result for you, and bronze medal in the senior world championships. Oh my God, I'm just sitting here beaming. It was just like, it was just one of these moments in life that you will absolutely never forget. It was incredible. Just like the team, the Irish team that was over there that year, like obviously yourself included, and just Sarah just ran so magnificently in that race like you know like like just where she placed was just like if you if you can imagine the caliber of these um athletes and just Sarah being up there with them and I just remember coming up to that final that final I think 500 meters probably less actually you come out you came out from a from a a forest trail out into the clear and you can just about to turn a corner where you can see the finish and I remember um, Pat Hooper just with his big bellowing voice, just Kate, right. yeah. go! And like when when Pat shouts at you, you listen. And I just, I just gave it everything, absolutely everything I had, and took over a few people coming up to that finish and just getting to that line and just your legs going from under you. And then knowing, I think that like I'd done my absolute best for the team was just such a uh, just an incredible feeling for me and then when um pat told us that we could be in contention for a medal like myself sarah and sarah we just could not believe it we were just like what and then when it was confirmed i think we just screamed and cried for about five minutes it was just yeah. unreal 
Yeah, and now that you mentioned it, yeah, just looking back, um, great that Pat, Pat Hooper was there and such a, a roadman um, as well. But above all else, um, a lover of Irish athletics and Irish athletes and Irish teams. And I remember you had a big, wonderful smile that evening as well. Uh, yeah. A great memory, a great memory. Um, how many caps, Katie, do you have? Were you able to count them up? I did count them. I have four. I have four. four. Okay, so, okay. Um, and one that I, I made the team and got over to France, but um, um, unfortunately, due to a stress fracture, I couldn't run. So that was that was kind of my bitter disappointment amidst sure, the, amidst the sure. four brilliant, and, brilliant races. And, and I know you're, you're a Masters world champion, um, but I bet you you have your eyes set on maybe another senior green vest over the, couple, over the coming years. Oh, absolutely. I am. Um, I had a bit of a rocky start to the year. I'd, I'd done my first marathon at the end of last year in Malaga. And I was like, just, I was coming up to Christmas and then get taking a really good recovery. And I remember just January, just itching to really get going again, just have a great cross country season, using all that strength. I get up to get back in the hills. I was going to do the Wicklow way half. Um, and obviously do some of the um, the, the winter in my league as well. And then I twisted my ankle. So I, I had only been back running maybe a week and a half before the trials. And I just, oh, wow. I, the fitness and the stamina just was not there. And I just remember being so disappointed. And I also had my eyes on um, Copenhagen Marathon there in the middle of May. So yeah. look, I, I was, was, my lesson there was just, I kind of, those two races that those two kind of the, the trials for the for the senior team and the marathon that was like my real objective and I I didn't really have a plan b after that so just kind of picking myself back up and having to restructure things and figure out now what do you do next um it was really yeah. disappointing but this year I am absolutely going to hit it hard yeah, well, well, thankfully, the, the year has turned out so well for you ever since that disappointment. And even though you only had I think, a week and a half of running in your legs, I think I remember looking at the results and you were still fifth, I think, in the trial race, only missing out by a, a spot or two. So it just shows the, the natural strength that's there. And, and speaking of, of restructuring, Kate, and so on, like you had that fantastic year in 2013, bronze medal in the world with the girls, 12 wins out of 13. But then kind of life just gets in the way, doesn't it? Um, family commitments come along, professional commitments come along. And how did you balance those, say, four or five years when you're doing these wonderful, great performances on the roads, the cross country, the mountains? But then, you know, you just have other commitments in life as well. How were those couple of years mentally for you, knowing that you could be one of the best runners in the country, but you also have to be a mammy and you also have to be a professional as well and look after all of those things too. Yeah, like it was definitely, it was definitely hard because I went through periods obviously when, when I was pregnant and then the kids were very young and I couldn't run to the, I couldn't run to the level that I was at. Like I, I basically with them, after I had them, I was starting back from kind of couch to 5k. I was running for a minute, walking for a minute, running for a minute, just thinking like, oh my God, like how did I used to be able to just throw my runners on and head out for a two hour run? Like it just seemed so far from where I was at the time. But then I think kind of 
I guess the two major things one was just my love of running like I like even if I can't compete I still absolutely love it so for me it was that escape that I had every day so even if I wasn't running at the same level I still just absolutely loved getting my runners on even if it was just for 15 minutes around the local park it just meant the world to me so that fact that I still had the love for the sport was was brilliant and then between the kids I think Paul my coach again was just amazing just kind of drawing a line under where you were and starting from scratch with you writing you out a weekly program so you're just getting yourself back up slowly and and carefully because he's all he's all about just kind of being careful and methodical in, in everything you do and before you know it you're actually back to a pretty good fitness level and then I remember with my second I wasn't so worried about losing fitness because I said, hey, you know, I've been here before. I can I can do it again. I can get back. It might take me six to eight months, but I'll get back. And I think having that confidence that I did it once, I can do it again was 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 brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah. So it sounds like just, you know, patience is needed sometimes in life when when we can't train as, as hard as we would like to for whatever reasons. But just to remember that that the love of running is still the most important thing and that once we're getting out every day for whether it's 15 minutes, one minute on, one minute off, as you said, um, the good form will always come back. Yeah, it will. It will. And again, I think kind of having that sounding board, like which a, a good coach does was incredible for me. Like, like not, he, he really stopped me feeling overwhelmed and kind of building you up, building you back kind of slowly and, you know, and then being humble enough to accept that you're not where you were, but showing up for races anyway and leaving your pride at the door and finding new benchmarks and creating new PBs for yourself, not comparing with with where you were, but looking at where you are now and, and what you can do. So it's all about kind of just having a slightly different perspective on things, I think. Yeah, well, it, it seems to have all worked so well, Kate. You got back on the Irish team, you, you got through covid and this year, um, apart from the, the mishap at the start of the year and not making, say, the Irish team and missing out on the, the first marathon that you wanted to do, but the second half of the year has been just superb for you with that win in the Phoenix Park, um, 28-30 for the five-miler, the 10-mile Irish Road Champion, I think. Is that the title that the 10-miler yeah. had um, in the park a couple of weeks back? And then, of course, the, the, the Worlds. Um, Kate, what does your training week look like now okay because i'm sure lots of people listening would, would love to find out what works so well for you maybe pick up maybe some of the the good um, things that you do in training what works for you what doesn't and um, what, what does a typical week look like for you now okay yeah so so monday is my rest day love a monday um tuesday would be a steady run um probably somewhere between 16 and 18k um Wednesday is uh, my session with the club so we'd probably do anything from 400 to one kilometer reps um and um obviously the the numbers of reps would vary depending on the distance so I'd probably kind of max out maybe 15k in total on that day and then Thursday is a very very easy um easy maybe 12 13k and then Friday would be either like a, a hill run, a tempo run or a progressive one um, around kind of the 10 mile, 16K mark. 
And then Saturday is a bit of crack. Um, Saturday <laughs> is kind of about 14K and I just do whatever I feel like doing for that day. So if I want to hit the trails, if I want to do a bit of hills, if I just want to jog slowly, um, if I'm feeling good and I want to do kind of a, a sharp run, I can do that too. It's just, I just leave that one up to myself. And then yeah. Sunday is is the long run. So that's just got all the, the marathon miles on it at the moment. Okay. Um, a, a couple of things on that. I'm just jotting down the days as you go through it. it it's so interesting. The the Tuesday run, Kate said, a 16 to 18 miler. Um, do, you, do you do that off pace, off feel, off heart rate? Because 16 to 18 miles, that could be anything from what? 60 minutes if it's a bit of a tempo run to to 80 minutes if you're if you're taking it easy it's a good solid run for a Tuesday just the day before your session yeah it is I generally take it handy enough so I do um and I look I don't know if this has made a difference but um kind of since COVID I've started doing all my runs at about five o'clock in the morning so they be on kind of an empty stomach so you really do at that though that hour of the morning like I sort of do have to run how I feel and I kind of one of the major differences between me now and kind of pre kids is I'm I'm very, very capable of running very slowly, whereas before <laughs> I would have just found that so hard. But now I can lash out nine minute miles so comfortably. So like that, I, I, I don't I don't go on. I'd my my steady pace would be kind of. 715 somewhere between 715 730 minute miles but like yeah. that run could vary so if i'm feeling sluggish it might be 830s if i'm feeling good i might hit into the the sevens but never faster um okay. but again i think just going back to the hill run one of the things i really learned with hill running and again absolutely no expert here but hill running really teaches you about your body and what your body can sustain so I'm never depending on my watch to tell me uh, am I maxed out here or what my heart rate is doing. I'm l- just listening to my breath or running how I feel to a certain extent. And I don't know whether that's helped or not helped, but that's kind of how I fly at the moment. Well, absolutely. I mean, before uh, fancy heart rate monitors came along, that's what all the best runners in the world did. So that there's yeah. no better reader of your body than than yourself really isn't it and uh, and 5 a.m starts kate that's incredible and um, how do you have the discipline to go to bed i presume at a 10 o'clock or before to be able to get up for a 5 a.m start yeah i actually because you know i could go back to an evening now but i don't want to like, <laughs> i know loads of people talk about when you're training for marathon all oh, those long cold dark mornings but those long miles i absolutely love it <laughs> yeah wow wow, wow. And, and and you said as well the, the faster training and um, it's something that i've experienced for for a number of years now as well but one thing that i learned with it was that I, it got to a stage where i was doing my hard sessions and um, fasted as well and I got away with it for a couple of months, but then I was just whacked, Kate. And I don't know, are you doing your 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 hard sessions fasted as well? Or is, I think that probably Wednesday run is probably in the evening time with the club, is it? The intervals? Yeah, no, I would. I'd make yeah. sure like I'd always have kind of a banana, a few crackers before I do the do the evening run. And then on my Sunday long run, um, I'd have a, a bowl of cereal and I'd often kind of pack a banana or a couple of gels as well. Um, I know you're also like I'd be very conscious of that long run like I'm I'm training for for a marathon so I want to 
train myself to eat the gels, to be disciplined with water on those long runs. So I would consider that kind of part of the training as well, just learning how to take in the, the, the nutrients that you need, that you'll need on race day. Sure. And what gels are you using, Kay, for anybody that's listening that wants to know what, what gels you're using and what works uh, well for you? I, what works for me is the Kinetica gels. I love their, co- I'm, funnily, I hate Coca-Cola, but I love their <laughs> Cola favorite gels. And I alternate between their caffeinated one and their non-caffeinated. And that seems to just, my my stomach can can cope with that. Okay. And um, any strength and conditioning work um, done, Kate, there? Because it's a question that always gets thrown at all the coaches. Should I do SNC? Should I not? Um, what are your own thoughts on it? And do you do anything? Um, I think it's, for me, I think it's incredibly important. Um, so when I started training for the Malaga last year, I wasn't in particularly good shape. I wasn't in great shape at all. And I went to the physio and I just said, look, I said, um, here I am. I want to get to the marathon. Um, how do I do that safely? And where are my weaknesses and what do I need to do? And he wrote me just a very basic strength and conditioning program. So I do two 25 minute sessions of that a week, usually squeeze that into a, a lunch break. Um, mm. And then I would do kind of a bit of yoga on the mat and a bit of stretching in the evening if I'm watching TV and um, a bit of foam roller and 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 the the, the, the trigger ball and stuff. And yeah. then um, the only other thing I do, which I think has really helped, and I know this is different for everybody, but I block book maintenance, like I block book a, a massage every three weeks. And I, the three week interval seems to really work with me. So it's all about preventative. So just getting that flush out before you get to the point where you're kind of hobbling to the physio as well. And I think those two things I, I pretty much started to do to kind of help me get to Malaga, but because they seem to have worked so well, I've, I've continued them on. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lovely balance to your training week. They're nearly the perfect balance. I'm sure I'm sure you're eating just sensible stuff as well. I know from talking to you before, it's nothing crazy. It's just a, it's a sensible diet. Um, you've got your physio work, your own roller work that you do. And um, for the SNC, for the 225-minute sessions, Kate, is there anything, you know, is there any wonderful secrets and um, exercises that you do there? Or is it just basic type of core work, glute work? Um, any good exercises that you can share with us? um gosh nothing it's all very basic like it's all squats with weights and single leg deadlifts um what are those window wiper ones do you know the ones with the resistance bands and yeah i do a bit of work on on my ankles as well since i sprained my ankle just to keep that going strong um and a tip that a physio gave me actually a couple of years ago is that kind of when you're doing it like like don't be afraid to kind of work up a good heart rate and, and break out in a sweat as well. So like I'd be definitely I'd be working hard now when I'm doing it and I'd be tired enough from the from the 25 minute session. And I always finish with the, uh, a front plank and a side plank as well. I think that's quite useful, too. But again, nothing, nothing major, all very basic and with very, very light weights. Yeah. Would you say, Kate, that you're in the, the shape of your life at the minute? Um, I don't know, but I feel great. And that's lovely. Like I can, I can run out of the house every morning. Like my mileage has actually never been higher, but my body seems to at the moment be able to withstand it. So like, I think the early mornings and the strength and conditioning work seem to really be working for me. And again, Paul, my coach, just like everything that he gives me in terms of a schedule, it's just all so 
incremental and calculated and, and careful. Um, I think it's a, he has a massive part to play in, in keeping me moving. Yeah, and um, just also practical, also just basic, good steady miles, not running too hard, two good quality sessions, a long run at the weekend, um, 25 minutes in SNC, and just early to bed and up early. And um, yeah, it, it all sounds to be work, working so well for you. Oh, and um, you make my life sound very boring. <laughs> no, it sounds so wonderful. <laughs> so wonderfully simple. I wish mine was as simple as that, Kate. It, it sounds fantastic. And, and I'm so jealous that you have a, a special um, autumn marathon coming up in a couple of weeks' time. And I'm sure you'd love to run well in Dublin. I, I I am. I'm absolutely looking forward to it. I'm trying not to. Um, I'm very careful about kind of shielding myself from pressure and stress because I think I put myself under like a lot of people put myself under enough of it myself. So I wouldn't be talking about times. I haven't even had the discussion with my coach on time. So we're just just slow and steady, just getting the miles up, getting a few tempo sessions in um, and seeing what happens. So. I, I'm, I really hope to run a strong marathon. I don't think it's going to be my fastest marathon of, of, of my life because it'll only be my second one. So I'm still very much in that, that learning phase. But I've heard just that the atmosphere is amazing. Um, so being able to, to, to run in the national championships and home turf, if I get to the start line, would be fantastic. Yeah, well, I remember um, Barry Minnick, uh, that John, I'm sure you know, gave yeah. me a great tip when, when I was getting ready for my first proper Dublin Marathon. Um, I was texting Barry all during the week of the race and I was any bit of information or media or stories or Facebook posts that I could get about the marathon. I was consuming it all. And Barry, who had run a couple of Dublins at that stage, said to me, Owen, turn off your phone forget about the start list, forget about the race, just chill out <laughs> and just yeah. go and do your thing. And he was dead right because I was just trying to, you know, I was so excited, trying to read up everything I could. And then I just, once he said it to me, he said, yeah, geez, Barry's right here. I need to turn off the phone, stop reading every bit of print about yeah. the Dublin Marathon and just go and run it. And uh, we're a long way out yet. So I'm sure you've not, you've not gone that intense with it yet, but maybe maybe some some wise words there from Barry. Yeah, no, I I think he's that like I would take that approach to every race. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't check participant lists. I wouldn't overanalyze the course. Um, like I just like there's enough there's enough pressure out there without you adding to it yourself. And I just think there's a lot to be said for just turning up on the day relaxed. Um, and what'll be will be. You know, like it's not gonna your fitness is what your fitness is. If that's enough to get you a medal or the PB that you want that's brilliant if it's not work harder next time work smarter next time yeah well it's, we started talking about the world championships Kate and we can finish off with that I remember talking to you just before the race last week and I think you were just delighted to be there you were delighted to, to have the morning to yourself to be able to go and run and um, tell me when did you realize that you had the race won and you were going to be a world champion. I'm sure that was a special, maybe, I don't know, final kilometre or two, or even, I don't know, the last couple of metres, maybe. I would say it was that last incline um, before you turned right into the 100 metre finish. Then I kind of knew that, right, this is it. I just need to hold on. Um, but any time that other kind of 10 kilometres of the race, I just, I was not comfortable at all like I know what an athlete Laura is and I know like she was like she's 
steely eyed going into that race. So I knew she was my, I knew she was my biggest, biggest contender here. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to say I was more comfortable than I was, but yeah, I, I'd be lying to you. I looked back a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed um, Aaron Naveen um, in the sports center that afternoon. It was great crack, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. It was amazing. And just like, the crowd as well and then like chatting to everyone from the different nationalities coming and so they were all just so thrilled to be there I mean we were in a, a glorified sports shed in Canal <laughs> in and it was pissing rain outside and everyone was just delighted like it's just I don't know it's just this natural high that you get from just being out in the hills and the, a collective experience but um all the yeah. feedback that I got, like especially from kind of the, the visitors as well, was just so positive towards the event and towards the professionalism of the, the Irish Mountain Running Association, IMRA. So like, I just felt very proud to be part of it and then yeah. triply proud to actually medal at it. Yeah, well, it was great to see you win, Kate. And listen, we'll, we'll let you go. I know that you have a big race in the morning, a half marathon. Is it in, in Ratote, I think, Kate, isn't it, tomorrow morning, the, the half marathon yeah. championships? Yeah, yeah, it's in Ratote. Yeah. So it should should be um, a reasonably fat, flat, sorry, fat, fast and flat course. So, um, yeah. look, we'll, we'll see. I've been going easy on the legs now all week. So um, hopefully I'll be fresh enough in the morning now. Okay, listen, all the best, Kate, and thanks a million, and congratulations again on becoming a world champion. Cheers. Thanks so much for your time, Mom. It was lovely to chat to you. That's a wrap for this week, everybody. Thank you to Rene from Running Coach Ireland and thank you to Kate, our new world champion and our new national Irish half marathon road champion as well. Well done, Kate. Incredible running once again there on Saturday morning. Great to talk to people who have the same passion as we all do, our tribe from the mountain and trail running world of Ireland. And just to mention everybody, some very sad news during the week. We lost one of our own tribe this week in Thomas Bubendor. Hopefully I got that surname pronounced right. Apologies if I didn't. Thomas was an avid runner from Bray and author of the diary of a rubbish marathon runner um, from Slee Coolin Running Club who passed away after a freak tragic accident on a work trip in Spain. Our condolences to his wife Neve and family. RIP Thomas, you will be missed. We'll close off the show there, guys, um, for this week. Enjoy your training run, everybody, and enjoy your recovery time, um, as it might be as well, after some brilliant, brilliant racing for everybody over the last couple of weeks. Thanks again to Eco Trail on September 24th for supporting the show this month. Don't forget that this Sunday, the 11th at midnight, is the final sign-up opportunity for what would be a great day of trail running in Bray in only two weeks' time. Thank you again, guys, for you, the listeners, for tuning in, for the patrons, for their support. Do pop over to Patreon to support the show, guys, if you can, as every little bit helps to keep the lights on here in Trail Running Ireland. Only one thing left to say, everybody, get your running gear on. Let's go. Yeah.